This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, if you guys were good teammates, well, let me say this. If you guys were better teammates, you know what you would do, Darren Urban? You would save me from myself. That's what you would do. At this time a week ago, what did I do? I ripped Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, I had a couple of ripped jobs. One was about his back, the back injury he suffered oh, yeah. at the team hotel That's on the right. road. Uh, just to prove once that. again, yet again, that karma is very real, extremely real. 36 hours after said podcast was posted by producer Jim Omohundro. Uh What did I do? I threw out my back. Hell, Still not totally 100% over here, sort of working through it, maybe questionable for the sideline on Sunday at the 49ers. Wait, where but did you throw it out? Was it because you stayed in a hotel bed? No, it was absolutely nothing. It was a random. I reached down for something in the house, and that's oh, boy, old, oh, Paul. that's a grabber. That got me right there. Uh, old guy problems, and so uh, boom. But, no, actually it was the karma of it all. Speaking of injuries, by the way, Felipe Corral Jr., what is his status? It here just on this Ill, it's an illness, a non-COVID illness. illness. Okay. Although it was funny, you just said, when you guys, you guys, you guys, and I'm thinking, who, who are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm just one person. Right. Holmes is in the room right now, but yeah. he's not going to be here long. Okay. It's not a veteran's day off. I mean, for all the crap that we get flipped from Felipe over here for being no. the old heads in the word of Kelvin Beecham, uh, I don't see us taking a veteran's day off <sighs> no, of any he sort. Is, he is ill, and unfortunately in this day and time, the first thought was, oh, Better get tested for COVID, which he did. Okay. No COVID, but okay. ill enough that he's gonna he stayed home a couple days. So the other bad. I, karma. I, hope, I hope your back is okay carrying this podcast, then, Paul. <laughs> I mean, I got an appointment with the uh, chiropractor at the at the end there. You're right. I'm. I, I should have the old school weight belt and Zubazon right now to get ready for a deadlift. You're right around here with this thing. The other bad karma moment, uh, I think, if you were scoring at home on the last edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, would be saying on the pregame show that if Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, what was the quote in the end zone? I own you. I still own you. I think you're forgetting a word. Uh, We said that, uh, guess what, in games that matter between the Cardinals and Packers, the Arizona Cardinals definitely possess the title indeed to Aaron Rodgers. And that blew up in our face on Thursday Night Football, did it not, is Aaron Rodgers got a meaningful win for once against the Arizona Cardinals and now leave them tied with the cards at 7-1. and one. And in the latest power poll that I just saw, Packers are number one, Rams are number two, Arizona Cardinals number three. Well, that's your first problem is looking at the power polls, Paul. I mean – I know you've had your eye on the uh, trade deadline is what, you know – Trade th- deadline mm-hmm. Trade deadline was came and went. Of course, Zach Ertz being traded for, that's a, that's kind of a big thing. It's kind of like the whole uh, they spent their second-round pick on DeAndre Hopkins kind of vibe that Steve Kaimo – the, the Cardinals had their trade. It just happened to be a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever it was. So Apparently someone in the Rams front office told the uh, morning crew at NFL Network said – uh, for anyone who's lamenting our loss of draft picks in 2023, 24, 25, we just went through a worldwide pandemic. Let's focus on tomorrow. So the Rams, that is their attitude right now. Okay, they're, so wait a minute. So They're wait. living for tomorrow and tomorrow only uh, more than any other team in the NFL. Did they just go Shanahan, I don't even know if I'm going to be around next week <laughs> pretty or whatever much, feel? Pretty much. That was a response to anybody wondering why they pretty much just – divested themselves of any future draft assets. I will say this. Somebody made the good point that, like, they actually have – they only have one of their own picks left, I think, but they have – they might have a couple other ones, and they have some comp picks coming to them once all that's figured out next year. And somebody was like, for all the draft that they've punted, yeah, they've, they've gotten rid of all their first-round picks, but I think they had nine picks in last year's draft. They, they end up piling up all the – 
fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders and and try and 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 take those lottery tickets and try and make it work. You know, my my question then becomes, uh, what your problem is going to be is 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 generally it's going to be the quarterback problem, and they were going to have that problem no matter what, which is they're going to be too good to draft high to get a quarterback to replace Matthew Stafford. And I'm not saying Matthew Stafford has done next year, but at some point you're going to have to replace them. And where are you going to be? And if you don't have that quarterback, you're in trouble. And when you throw in the, I mean, the Von Miller trade is great, but he's also a free agent at the end of the year. Are you bringing him back? Or did you just give up a second and a third for eight games, nine games? Well, they're, they're living for the moment is what they're doing right now. Uh, in fact, you know what their plan is in LA is that their season regular season finale is at home against the 49ers week 18. They don't want to leave LA and their own building ever again. They want home field advantage. They want to roll right from that season finale against the Niners into the postseason all the way through the Super Bowl and they want to stay home. I want to raise too, Paul. I mean, things That's the Rams plan yeah, right now. Of course it is. Well, but the Cardinals' plan is to win all the rest of their games and have home field themselves. So That's right. You know what? If you want to trade the unknown for the known, okay. Yeah. I'm not – I just wonder how it ultimately is going to fit under the cap because that's how you stay legit under the cap is with the younger players and those rookies. And And that's that's ultimately where this comes down to. I mean, the Von Miller trade itself, there's no problem under the cap because – the Broncos said, we want the second and third round pick so badly that we're willing to pick up $9 million of the $9.7 million left on Von Miller's contract. So there is no cap space that it really hurts the Rams. The Rams basically said, we're going to give up these two second-day picks in exchange for, again, 10 games, 9 games of, of Von Miller. That's what That basically was the trade. So you're saying the Cardinals are going to be there and they're going to have something to say about the Rams' plan. Is that what you're saying? You're saying the Cardinals 2021 aren't the Steelers 2020 start 11-0 and never win again and just flame out to the very well, end. You, 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 that's, that's not what you're you saying here, Darren hope Urban. that that doesn't happen. I mean, we're, we're going to see how this all plays out. I, I'm curious to see. I mean, I think the Von Miller move was good. I don't think it necessarily – changed so much that the team that we saw play in LA against the Rams, meaning the Cardinals, I, I don't think it changes that much. Now, are the Cardinals healthy when they play the Rams next time? Are the Rams healthy the next time? We play? I mean, two weeks ago, we would have said, you know, J.J. Watt was a great signing and everything, and now he's done for the season. What happens if Von Miller suffers a, an injury like that or Aaron Donald or whatever? I mean, I'm not hoping for injuries, but – there's just the Cardinals don't play the Rams again until what December 13th I think a Monday Night Football game whatever that date is whatever yep. that Monday mid December at home and Monday Night Football there's so much that can go on between then and now for both these teams for every team so you know what was it four backup quarterbacks got a win in Week Eight uh, at least on Sunday four different backup uh, quarterbacks that sounds right and now the question is you're going to add a fifth is Colt McCoy the guy who's going to be gunning for a win at the 49ers. It's the ankle, and I'm just guessing we're not going to know anything definitive until game day. Heck no. Is that your expectation? That is my absolutely my expectation. I mean, there's just no way I can see in God's green earth that Cliff Kingsbury would be willing to give up that little bit of knowledge beforehand. And, and in reality – when you got a whatever Kyler is 24, when you got a 24 year old kid, you you just you you can't know. You know I'm 51. There's no way my ankle's healing in a week. I can pretty much say, yep, yeah, I'm done. But a 24 well, year old who's really athletic, I mean maybe maybe you want to give it all that time. There's no reason not to give it that right. much time. I guess well, is the especially point. after what the Niners did to you in Week Five. Remember what happened in Week Five. When Jimmy Garoppolo hurt his calf in week four and took the postgame podium and said, yeah, it's going to be a week or two. And then Kyle Shanahan tried to put that genie back in the bottle, put that toothpaste back in the tube and said, oh, no. And he tried to keep it a we question that. through the whole week that Trey Lance may or may not go Jimmy G. Could. And then finally you realized he didn't make practice. And even Kyle Shanahan said on his radio show that Thursday afternoon that Jimmy G would try and make practice and then decide from there he never even left the locker room on Friday. It's funny because I'm interested to see how uh, – I'm assuming Kyler speaks normally this week in terms of his regular 
press conference. And don't forget, the only time he was asked about, I actually asked him right when he got in the room after the Packers game, and he said he was fine. Now, we all know he's not fine now, so what is? how does he say that? How does he approach this? I'm curious to know how he does that. I thought you were going to say, forget what he says, because he'll be speaking median. It's how he walks into the press conference room. Is he wearing the boot? Is he limping? If I'm the smart camera guy and I'm working over here at one of the local TV stations, live local late breaking, I've got my camera trained on the entrance to the media room, and I am following Kyla Murray the moment that door opens all the way to the press table just to see what's his gait, is he favoring the leg, see, the ankle, how's that working? I would love it. it. And obviously, this is not his personality. It is not Cliff's personality. What I want to see is go all in. Put put two giant air casts on both your legs, <laughs> walk in with crutches. Or crutches. Com- or come in on a wheelchair. Yeah. Bring him Sorry, in on guys. A, yeah. Bring him I don't in know on if I'm going to make it. We'll see what happens. Wheel him in on a dolly or maybe a gurney just and then pop him up Just lean into it yeah. and have, have some fun with it. Uh, I mean – but let me ask you this question, because we know Kyler is hyper-competitive. Yes. There have been Much like you, Paul. games this year, and there have been moments where he has been a little banged up, and Colt McCoy's put on the helmet and started warming up. And um, the games were out of hand, and Kyler still went back in the game. So I'm guessing if he can operate an offense, he's going to play. That's my expectation. Not unlike the game against the Rams, the season finale, his rookie year, 2019. If he can actually get out there and he can get under center, get in the shotgun, get rid of the football, know he's not going to be telling Josh Jones, if you can't block him, don't hold him, let him go, because I can elude the defensive uh, the uh, defensive lineman, like he said earlier this yeah. year when he told Josh Jones that. That's not going to be the case, we presume, with the ankle. But if he can still go and operate from the pocket – and he's able to operate from the pocket better than we've ever seen him before in his short NFL career, my expectation is, yeah, he's going to go. That, just knowing his personality. See, here's here's what makes me pause on that one. One, uh, the 49ers have a pretty nice front. and They got four sacks of Justin Fields in that game, two by Nick Bosa. That doesn't really mean a lot to me because it's Justin Fields, and I just feel like Justin Fields is still learning the game a little bit. But but he's so elusive, and, they, and, and Nick Bosa also had six QB hits, and then Samson Ekubon had five QB hits and a sack. Yeah. I mean, they got after him. Oh, no. I, look, I'm not downplaying the 49ers at all, and I think that's something you have to pay attention to. And I do think, like, you're like, you know, <laughs> if he can just operate in the pocket. To me, this is a team where if you don't have that escapability, I don't know if you want to mess with it. I really don't. And, and if we go back – uh, you know, again, I don't know how where what his health was uh, against the 49ers that last uh, the the next to last game last season, but you know they scored 12 points, and I know there was a lot going on with their offense at that point besides just whether Kyler was this or that. Uh, but I mean, this is a defense. This was a defense that held them to 17 points when they were yep. all healthy. Yep. So I don't. Yeah. I it, don't know. Well, in. <laughs> You sound like the head coach, and, and that's plausible and well, feasible. You. I'll take you know, that paycheck. I'm, I'm not going to take the chance. I'm just saying Kyler's mindset. No, you're right. And, you know, it's going to be Kyler tough. didn't want to come back in the Rams game, though. He knew his ankle was going to yep. be an issue. That's true. That's true. Last a year. year ago. It's just um, – so we'll see. All right. So if Colt McCoy does go, yep. what's your expectation there? Because I think you're going to see a guy who's pretty decisive with the ball. Uh, I think it's going to come out pretty quick. By design, um, you know, it wouldn't be unlike what Aaron Rodgers just did to the Cardinals, what Kirk Cousins did to the Cardinals in week two. It's going to come out quick. I'm going to get ball the ball to the perimeter. Guys who can get some yards after catch from Rondell Moore to Christian Kirk. If D-Hop goes, and by the way, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I think, you know, based on what we saw in the preseason, and I get it, it's the preseason, it's vanilla schemes. Cole McCoy with his decade plus in the league, pretty decisive knows where he's going with the ball, can get through his reads and progressions pretty quickly. So if he ends up being the guy, then uh, to me, that's what it'll look like. I agree with you. Uh, I, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said uh, when he was talking to um, Wolf and, and Luke this week on 98.7, he basically acknowledged that the offense does, does change uh, a little bit if Colt McCoy has to play quarterback. I, I agree with you in saying that I think he's going to be – 
it's it's more of a short passing. It's it's ball control. I think the running game would have. I think let's put it this way. I think this week the running there's a lot on the running game. Whether Colt McCoy's in the game or whether Kyler Murray is playing at not 100%. I I think James Conner and Chase Edmonds and whoever else they might be willing to give the ball to, I think those guys become a little bit more important. That and the defensive side of the run game so that you don't let yeah. you don't let the, the 49ers dominate like the Packers were able to run the ball. Well, don't forget the Niners ran for a buck 51 in week 5. And yep. after the Packers just ran for 152, that's four. Four times an opponent has run for a buck fifty or more against the Arizona Cardinals this year. That's only fifty percent of the time. So um, that is where the defense needs to start because if they can win time of possession, and look, time of possession for the most part can have zero correlation to the outcome of a game. Yeah, you got to be careful on that. Teams can win big and lose big in time of possession. That was not the case on Thursday night football when the Cardinals got eight. Count them eight possessions. They kept Kyler Murray in that offense off the field. They dominated the ball. But but to your point, if A.J. Green turns around. They win. They win despite yes. that. So. Des- despite three turnovers, yes. which I think if you lose the turnover battle, three love, history says you lose the game 90-plus percent of the time. And yet there they were, an M.E. away from a W. That, oh. That's the way I – an Lots A.J. How about an A.J. M.E.? From a W. Yeah. And despite losing the turnover battle, three love. So so you're right. That is that case. Now, if you're going with Colt McCoy, it was interesting what Drew Stanton said this week, longtime Cardinals backup quarterback, now proud member of the Arizona Cardinals broadcast crew, to sit along the side, side the likes of us and talk some real football with the Arizona Cardinals broadcast crew. In this case, uh, Craig Grealou had asked him about, you know, being a backup quarterback. And, and Drew mentioned – uh, how ironical it was, if you will, I made up that word. That's okay. That he, that Cole McCoy is poised to go against the 49ers because seemingly half of his backup appearances yeah. were against the Niners, yeah. including two wins at San Francisco on the road against wow. the Niners. That was a Thursday night game, I believe. And, 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 you know, so Drew Stan said at the very end in true, you know, classic Drew Stan snark, he said, well, if I need to rub off some of that luck on Colt, just let me know, you know. But before that, he said, you know what? He admitted. My career stats as a backup quarterback, 13 years in the league, are awful. Now, that's, that's Drew's word, not mine. He said, but the true measure and gauge of any backup quarterback is, do they win? Yeah. And he said, I had a winning record as a backup quarterback. He said, I take great pride in that, as he should take gr- yes. great pride. Because you know how it works, Darren. If the locker room doesn't believe in the quarterback, then they don't believe they have a legitimate chance to win. Yes. The locker room has to believe. How does 58 to nothing happen years ago in Seattle? Because Max Hall was a starting quarterback. And once the Cardinals got down two scores, no one on that team believed they could get a win at Seattle. And that's how it just snowballed. It wasn't Max Hall, but wasn't it who point, was it? Uh that was that was John Skelton Ryan Lindley days. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Cobb was hurt. Max Hall was a was a a brief comment a couple years before. Max Hall was 20. I thought it was uh, Okay. I thought it was Mac. I, what, do I not remember Max Hall throwing Max Hall, balls in the wind in Seattle and they were they fluttering to the sideline? It wasn't fifty-eight nothing. They absolutely, he absolutely played in twenty ten. Okay. Started in Seattle and it went nowhere. That's the okay. game you're thinking of. They also okay. lost that game, just not fifty-eight nothing. <laughs> right. Okay. So, but they still had the same quarterback yes. issue at that point. Two yes. years later, they still did not have a quarterback anyone believed in. Yes, and that's and and that's a great point. I, it, it's funny when you talk about Drew because. Um, I don't think of the San Francisco games. I think of a similar situation where um, uh, 2014, and the Cardinals opened Monday Night Football, beat the Chargers barely. Uh, Nobody knew it at the time, or at least I didn't, but Carson Palmer hurts his foot or calf or whatever at the end of that game. Doesn't, Doesn't come out. And then there's questions all of a sudden of, like, whether he, you know, maybe he's a little banged up. And then uh, we go to New York, 
And all of a sudden on game day, it's, yeah, Carson's down and Drew Stanton has to start. And Drew doesn't get told this until game morning or whatever it was. And that's the game I think of. And they won that game 23-14. to 14. Ted Ginn had a punt return for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the last punt return touchdown yes. for the Arizona Cardinals, so by go. the way. Uh, Rondell Ginn. Moore, catch the ball. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. And, and, and the last kickoff return touchdown was the year before 2013, and the name escapes me. I have no idea. might have been the hyphen. No, Not no, sure. it couldn't have been 2013 because no. David Johnson had one against the Bears in 2015. Oh, okay. All right. So, anyways. Okay. I don't mean to keep correcting you, Paul, because I do no, know you're a well, true historian of this team. I, I knew it was a one-year increment. I yes. thought it was one year before, but no, it was one, one year after. after. David okay. Johnson. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but that's the game I think of because it's, it's going to be similar in the fact now. I have a feeling in this case, Colt McCoy is going to have a pretty darn good idea if he's going to start probably by Friday afternoon. Yes. Is Cliff Kingsbury going to tell us? No. Or is it going to leak out? Probably not until Sunday morning when Adam Schefter says, blah, whatever it might be. Um, but I, that's the game I think of is Stanton having to pop into that start and, and making it work on the road. So did the Arizona Cardinals lose – to Green Bay because of themselves, or did the Packers beat them? Before we move on here entirely, what was I don't think I asked for your takeaway I don't on that Packers game week eight. How do you process that loss? You know, more I, on the Cardinals, more on the Packers. I, I, I think I think the Packers have a great quarterback. I, I never thought, even I, I guess after that twenty, uh, the game felt a lot like the twenty fifteen playoff game where you come into it thinking, okay, the Cardinals in theory should have this advantage. Uh, back then it was because they had just blown the doors off the Packers a couple weeks before. This time it was because they were missing all the receivers. And in that game, the Packers were missing all the receivers again about a quarter and a half into the game. And it never, the Cardinals never could get it right. And yet it was close to the end because that's what the Packers and the Cardinals do at State Farm Stadium is play close games to the end. But I, 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 I don't think it's this horrible loss. Um, I, I think for all the guys the Packers were missing, and absolutely they were missing a lot of key guys, they had their quarterback. And I think the Cardinals were missing some key people too. Not having DeAndre Hopkins out there all the time I think means something. Um, I think not having J.J. Watt meant something. Um, and yet there they were at the end with that chance. And i got to be honest, you know, the way it works for me, um, I try and have something quick about the game to post as soon as the game ends. Uh, I wrote, I had written almost this entire story of how the game was over after they scored the touchdown right at the very end, and yet then they reviewed that play. I still never saw the review of the last Packers touchdown that was reversed because I was too busy writing and soon they were going to be in. All of a sudden they said it was, they weren't in. So then I started kind of halfway watching, thinking they're going to get in any second now. Then the Cardinals somehow stop them. Then there's the two horrible plays right before the pass to A.J. Green. And I'm thinking they're not even going to get past their own 10. He finds A.J. Green, which, by the way, everybody's mad at A.J. Green at the end of that drive. But if it's not for A.J. Green on that third yep. down, they're in True. duty. Yep. And, and then as they start marching down, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to win this. Or at least go. We're at least going to yep. overtime. Right. Well, and that was the scenario. Either you take your shot, AJ Green. He's between the defender and the football. So at the very least, it hits the turf. At the very least, he plays DB. And if it's not a completed pass, and you kick the field goal, and you take your chance in overtime. So the incomprehensible occurs. We all saw it. We all lived it. It was a Shakespearean tragedy. I wish we knew exactly what happened. Obviously, uh, Cliff Kingsbury said he knows now and he's not saying. And I get that. I understand that. Somebody asked me the other day, with all due respect, you know, A.J. Green did not has not speak, spoken to the media yet. And somebody asked me, like, you know, how long will it be before, you know, it, yep. no, nobody, like, how, how, much, how much time could pass? And I'm thinking, for me – I think the question still gets asked to A.J. Green, even if he doesn't talk for another month. I mean, if I hope he talks sooner than that, but there, people want to know. There are two different ways to go about it. You can go about it as Bruce Arians used to and just be blunt. The BNBA stood for blunt. He'd come out after the game and he'd tell you who made the mental error. 
He I, don't know, I don't know if the players love that all that I, much. No, they didn't. And remember how many times he threw David Johnson under the bus yes. post-game? Yes. That he messed up a route. We should, they scored 35. We should have had 42 if David Johnson doesn't screw this up. How many times did B.A. do that? So you can't tell me if that – he did it with Tom Brady in like week two or three yeah, a did, year ago when Tom Brady was on board. So you can't tell me if B.A. was a head coach that it wouldn't have been – Oh, we'd know by you now. You know, and then boom, it's a non-story by Monday afternoon. Yeah, but that's the truth is you get it out of the way. And so, you know, I just sometimes I wonder if this is a good service to the player. Is this in the best interest of A.J. Green? Now, was it his choice not to talk to the media? Because you're right, he's going to feel the question at some whenever he talks to the media next. So, we'll see. Maybe but, it'll be after the game when he touched down this week. But, Darren, when, when Kyler Murray says, and I called up the quote, we feel that – Oh, no, this is Cliff Kingsbury after the game. We feel that it was a safe throw if he knew the route to run, no question. It was the right place to go, just didn't communicate on some level, and the guy made a good play, meaning Rasul Douglas. Yes. And when Kyler says we weren't on the same page and it cost us, is there any other way? Here's the other one from Cliff Kingsbury. It wasn't the route that we thought we had checked, and so we've got to communicate better in those situations. So – I'm taking it as that is most definitely on the receiver in that situation. Also, I will share this. Based on the sideline and the reaction, I couldn't hear anything. It was absolute chaos, but you can visually see, just like 60,000 other people in that building could have seen, that A.J. Green came to the sideline, palms up, like, what? What? You know, what's going on? He's looking around. Somebody give me an explanation. (laughs) He got an explanation from some of the assistant coaches. They gave him an earful. So – Based on that, and then his reaction of slamming his helmet down, Kyler Murray slammed his helmet down once he got off the turf because he got rolled up on earlier and he was still in pain. I don't know if he's more in pain from the ankle or just the agony of defeat. It's funny because I do – he had a – that happened last year, and I can't remember who it was against where I felt like the same thing. Like he was down and we all – everybody was worried, and it it was mostly because he was just ticked off. Yeah. and, but and, and he's that done that. He's done that before. Not true. You know the he's anguish really is such. But so that's the way I'm reading it. Now, do we need AJ Green to actually say it and confirm it? Perhaps, and he will get asked. To your point, I, I think he will. I will say this. And once again, this is just a visual. How many teams have you covered, Darren? That if they went into the mini buy after Thursday night seven and one, would be hey, we're all good, man. It's a long season, seventeen games. What do you got going? What are your plans, bro? What are your plans? What do you got going for the weekend? That wasn't this team. They were angry. Well, I've never covered a 7-1 team, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were legitimately torqued off. In fact, I can tell you it was about 30 minutes after the game had ended, and Pauly Pencilneck, done with all the interviews, wrapping up some of the gear, and there was an audible bleep out of nowhere in that locker room. There were guys a half hour to the, after the game who still had yet to shower and were really cheesed off. I like that. Oh, yeah. I like that in a team where it yeah. matters, where these, some of these regular season games aren't disposable. DJ Humphreys was brought – he was one of the guys yeah. that talked to the media, and he's never short. And I, it's funny, when I was listening at the time, it seemed a lot more harsh. I went back and listened to it, and – I don't know if DJ can really doesn't have it really in him to be harsh. I went back and listened in it. It was short, but it wasn't like it didn't have a, a complete nasty edge to it like he was mad at the world or mad at us for asking questions. But it was short and he didn't want to he didn't have a lot to talk about and he interrupted about three or four questions without letting people really finish because he knew where it was going and he didn't really have any interest. Like they asked about the play and he's like, I don't know, I just blocked. And uh, yeah. that was that's when it really. I mean, it's one thing if Kyler is kind of sullen. That's kind of who he is. When DJ Humphreys is hacked off and and yeah. short with the media, that's when you know. And I agree with you. That I mean, is I, telling. I yes. think I think this stuff it does bode well, believe it or not. And I honestly, there's a possibility. I mean, they would have been super excited to pull off that win. But I, I can only imagine the quotes, how, even if they had won, about, oh, my God, we almost blew that. What was wrong with us? That team was down all those people, and we should have beat them by more, and we're having to come down in the last 10 seconds. So I, I think this team absolutely gets it. And I going back to what we were talking about before, I think that puts them in a much better place if Colt McCoy has to play quarterback than another situation. 
I asked Cliff Kingsbury because I'm trying to think of a different question to ask on his TV show, and I said, so uh, after watching the film, did you feel any better or feel any worse after that Thursday night loss to Green Bay? That's and a good he question. Said, and he said, you know what, I definitely didn't feel any better. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. And we, we, we moved. But you know what? We got into it a little bit, and, and, and you know what I thought of, and he didn't confirm this, but what I thought of immediately at the end, when the unthinkable happened and A.J. Green did not turn around, I thought of what Cliff Kingsbury said to begin the week, and I think it was in response to your question about what was his biggest concern about playing on a Thursday night, and he said not being able to conduct a full-speed, yes. full-go practice where you can really get a sense – and it was a good question. It was a good answer. It was insightful. And there are things that make coaches nervous. And if it's only at all walkthrough week, which is essentially what a Thursday game prep week is all about, then it does make you wonder. It's stuff that happens quickly and in the, in the clutch of the moment with a game on the line, and then all of a sudden the execution isn't there. Why? You have, two, you have a veteran seven-time Pro Bowler. Yes, he's new to the offense, but it's week eight. So why does that happen? Can you trace that, a correlation back to practice or lack thereof? You, you never know. It is, it is kind of funny with Cliff the last couple of weeks. I mean, the reason I asked that question was based on the fact that, okay, you're back from COVID. You, were, you missed that entire week of practice the week before, and yep. that's the part that you like. Now you're going into this other practice, which you're back at practice, but you're still not practicing the way you wanted. Yep. And uh, and that's kind of what they were left with. I mean, if nothing else, Cliff has to be like dancing a jig that there's a regular practice week this week and a regular preparation, and I get to run all these things. Now, of course, I don't know who the hell my quarterback is going to be, or what kind of reps they're going to be out there. But whatever. Well, you know what? He did share with us the week before on his TV show coming off the Houston week. He hated the week of practice by the offense. Now the defense shined, and obviously they gave up three points because there was a safety in the 31-5 final. He did not like it. And he admitted some of it was because maybe he was a little ornery sitting at home and he's watching the practice film and he's unloaded on the offensive assistants. But he said he hated a lot of that week of practice based on what he saw on film. Mm. So you're right. You know, finally gets to get back out there. That was a slow start that It was. In fact, Kelvin Beecham mentioned one of the things on the checklist, slow start. And if you've been scoring at home, they have fallen behind early against the Vikings, against the Jaguars against the Rams, against the Texans. It was 5 nothing early second quarter, and they scored 31 unanswered in that one. And now against the Green Bay Packers, obviously. It was funny, though. Somebody asked Cliff on Friday, I believe, after the Packers game about the slow starts, and he got a very quick, Tread short lightly. answer. Tread lightly on that subject. That is not his favorite subject. Maybe if he brings it up, it's one thing, but... That's the third rail. Yeah, note to self as a reporter. Ask that question uh, adroitly and uh, gingerly because that is um, – and so it, that's kind of telling as well as to uh, I think one game this year they've come out of the opening drive and got it into the end zone. And I'm trying to think which game it was. The opening – was it against Minnesota it actually? It was. It was – I think it was week two. I think it was Minnesota. They drove down and they got – only once have they opened the game with an opening possession touchdown. And you know what? That's further illuminated this week because one of the first things I think of with Kyle Shanahan is how they always open the game. It was a couple of years ago. They had, like, huge check Palooza to open the game. They had, like, three fullback screens, yeah. and they came down in eight plays, and seemingly every play was a chunk play. Touchdown, just like that, and the Cardinals defense went back to the drawing board on the sideline, and they tried to figure out all their adjustments. Kyle Shanahan has that ability as a play caller. In fact, the Niners just beat the Bears 33-22, and the quote, as I look forward here from Jimmy G after the game, quote, Kyle was on fire today with a play calling, just a perfect storm type of thing. As the Niners went out there, and here was the stat, they didn't have any sacks allowed, they didn't have any punts, and they had no turnovers. And that's only the ninth time a team has done that in the Super Bowl era. And they only had 33 points? They played clean football. And you're right, only 33 points. They had seven straight scoring drives, but in the first half they were field goals. In the second half they got it in the end zone, three straight touchdown drives in the second half. 33-22, they ended a four-game skid. And now their mantra, did you see the post-game locker room scene the Niners tweeted out? No. Their mantra, according to Kyle Shanahan, he said it in front of the team, what do we talk about all week? Whatever it takes to bleeping win. That was whatever it takes to bleeping win. Uh, Jimmy G said the same thing in the team breakdown at the very end. So 
what do they have to lose? They open with two That's wins. That's a good mantra. I don't know if any other team has ever thought of that. <laughs> they lost four straight. They won again. They're three and four. So they come out against the division rival in Santa Clara. There will be fans this year. Yes, uh, there will be. I, I'm, I'm no wildfire? I'm guessing there won't be smoke, so you can't even see the forest grandstands. I mean, you couldn't <laughs> even see across the stadium last year. I brought that up to Cliff Kingsbury uh, between commercial breaks, and he's like, yeah, it was like coaching in the apocalypse last yeah. year. Because, you, you know, you could hear the planes because San Jose International Airport is right next door. You could hear them as if they're on top of you, and you couldn't see them. Yeah. There's so much smoke in the air. Well, we spent a lot of quality time last year on the road together. Yes, Paul, so. we did. You're right. You're right. We were wearing a mask at that game for a different reason. Yes. It wasn't COVID. It was the wildfire. In fact, there were regulations. You couldn't walk around downtown San Jose because of the wildfire. Yeah. They actually told you to stay indoors. So Well, we couldn't leave the hotel, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Here's the thing. You mentioned, okay, so we're going to talk about the offense. No one seemingly is talking about the injury to DeAndre Hopkins. Or are they, Darren? Uh, you have your ear to the, you know. Kind of got lost with the whole Kyler Murray might be hurt it thing. It did. And I, I'm just going to say this. When he was out of that game, mainly the entirety of the second quarter and third quarter, uh, I didn't like the looks of the Cardinals offense minus their number one receiver. There seemed to be a trickle-down effect. Yes, but no, because, I mean, I think in the second quarter for sure that first half didn't look good. But, I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I feel like they scored – didn't they score touchdowns? They scored three touchdowns, didn't they? they oh, no, they scored two. It was the fourth quarter where they came up with two touchdowns, and, and some of that was when DeAndre Hopkins got back into the game. Now, was he a decoy? Did he insert himself back into the game? Well, he definitely inserted himself back into the game. We, we know, <laughs> you know that for a fact. I mean – that was one of the strangest things, and I gave some updates from the sideline. So all of a sudden, he's not in the game. His helmet is off. His gloves are off, and he's not wearing within, a baseball hat sometimes. And he's not within twenty yards of the play call. Yeah. So he's not poised to go back. He in looks the game. like he's done for the night. And then all of Which a sudden, I believe I tweeted once. And then all of a sudden, he's back in the game. I know. And the assistants are like, "No, get out!" Sometimes they're telling him to get out because they made late personnel yeah. substitutions. So it was it was very strange. He made a big catch too. He did, and uh, then he comes out, weird. and so once again, um, there if are he just guys, hadn't closed his hand on that face mask. That would have been a yeah, cool touchdown. You know, it, there are guys that are replaceable, and there are guys who are not. And the Cardinals have other weapons, obviously threats a receiver, but they don't have another legitimate number one receiver on this on this no. on this offense. They do not, and uh, it is a slog a bit when he's out of the game. Here's the other guy. Here's my other fear. Did the Cardinals lose more than just a dynamic defensive lineman when they lost J.J. Watt? Did they lose an attitude is my question. And I liken it a little bit. This is a worst-case scenario now to 2015. I appreciate you getting completely negative. When they lost Tyron Matthew. Yeah, I'm just saying this is, a, this is on bad. my radar, Darren Urban. What is the Cardinals' defense like? Minus J.J. Watt. Now, we can run a whole bunch of different guys in there, and it's a deep position room, and there's a rotation. I get it, and Jordan Phillips is back, great, and Zach Allen is back, and they'll get Rashard Lawrence back soon, you would hope. So there are bodies. There are names and numbers. There's a reason why the Cardinals didn't go trade for a defensive lineman at the trade deadline, because they have enough depth. They have dudes. But do they have the attitude of a J.J. Watt? Because they, he's that guy – when you walk into the biker bar, who's your personal protector? You walk in, you go, you talking to me? You want some of this, pal? Because you know you have J.J. Watt over your right shoulder. Yeah, but I, I, I do think that that trickles down from actually playing. I mean, J.J. Watt was on the sidelines. I mean, he had the opportunity to talk to whoever he wanted to talk to. And, I mean, he's not in the game, but, you know, if, if it's that. I, do I think it hurts? Yeah, I, I do because he's, he's the – the vocal leader. He's the vocal guy. And I personally do think that comes in handy sometimes. Um, but again, he's, I, he, if, if they didn't have trouble stopping the run in some other games, I might, I might have, I might play more into it, but the, the issues they had against the Packers, they've already shown a couple times. And again, if AJ green turns around, does that mean they don't need JJ Watt being, you know what I'm saying? It's no. just so hard. Uh, absolutely. Somebody absolutely. was saying, somebody made that point about the Buccaneers. Like if, if Tom Brady ends up doing exactly what he normally does and leads them down to kick a field goal, everybody's like, yep, Tom Brady's the stud. Look what he did again. And instead, I'm looking at a bunch of Buccaneers Twitter, and it's like, our defense is the worst defense of all time, and why is Tom Brady making stupid plays and this and that? And it's like the 
the reactions are. I got a mailbag question, your favorite kind of thing, Paul. Oh, boy, let's and, go. Uh, Here we go. And he basically said the, the opening he, line. I want that, names. Can you name names in the uh, mailbag? No, 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 go ahead. I'm just having a time. Uh, it was, it's the first question in there, and he, the first line was, is that it? Like, is the season over? And he goes through this. And, and then he goes, he goes, I don't want to overreact to one loss, but, and then he goes, and the whole rest of the thing was overreaction, how, you know, they don't do this, and they don't do this, and this is how all the wheels fall off. This is what happened last year, and <laughs> this is this can be a crushing loss that ends your season. I'm like, Whoa! Wow. I battled Twitter all day Sunday because the news came out from Glazer about Murray's ankle being potentially having to miss games. Right. Then all of a sudden it's Kyler Murray is completely injury prone and he's terrible when he plays injured and uh, or he sucks when he plays injured. <laughs> I see. And I'm like, number one, he's never missed a game. And number two, I, and I think my, my big thing was Kyler Murray sucks is a hell of a take because I don't know, even in the games that he, I mean, there are games he hasn't played great, but there's games that Tom Brady hasn't played great or Aaron Rodgers hasn't played great. And I just, it, it just, it, it mentally just drains me. So let me, let me get this straight. The guy who going into the Thursday night game was the odds on betting favorite for MVP yeah. sucks. We're using the five-letter S word. Okay. Because Correct. he because he, he's hurt, gotcha. okay. quote-unquote, all the time. Even though we know that Tom Brady played all last year with a knee injury, but right. I guess that doesn't. Right, right, okay. Um, well, once again, like I started this podcast, you know, sometimes you can't save people from themselves. I asked you guys to save me from the bad karma that I was bringing upon myself, and that guy needs to be saved from his own lame takes. That, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's my correlation. I'm not saying it's a lame right take. There. I'm just yeah. saying it was disappointing. By the way, uh, let's give credit where credit is due, and uh, that credit apparently goes to Hugh Freeze. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hugh Freeze, former quarterback? Hugh Freeze, former head coach of Ole Miss, who oh, now okay. Jim Omohundra will give you a $100 bill if you can tell me where Hugh Freeze is coaching today, right here, right now. Where is Hugh Freeze, the head coach? I have no idea. Liberty. Do you know why that I bring that up? Because, because you're a fan of Jerry when, Falwell? When we asked Cliff Kingsbury about the Chase Edmonds direct snap oh. touchdown, he said he stole it from Liberty. And we're like, you're watching Liberty game film. And he said, well, Hugh Freeze. And Hugh Freeze, I guess, eh, you know, football guys who know football respect Hugh Freeze's offense. Apparently he runs a very unique offense. I did a quick Google search on the whole thing. Hugh Freeze was the head coach of Ole Miss when they beat Alabama in 2014-2015 before everything blew up in the Ole Miss program. Yeah. And he left. Uh, and so – Robert uh, Camdichi was there. I thought. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, <laughs> as, as, as once again, I say, see, there I save myself from myself. Yes. That's, I'm, I'm improving. I'm proud of myself right there. there. I've made the in-podcast adjustments, Darren Urban. That's, that's good. And so, uh, he said, so now what's interesting is that Liberty is playing, guess who, this weekend? Ole Miss is going to <laughs> Ole Miss. It just happens when I Google that up. So there, there's your game. You're under the radar game to watch this weekend. If you have some college football to watch, watch Hugh Freeze going against his former team, Ole Miss, against Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin has already lost to Hugh Freeze twice when he was at Alabama with Nick Saban. And, 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 oh, by the way, Liberty has the first-round pick you've never heard of at quarterback, some kid named Malik Willis, who is an absolute game-breaker. And he's a dual-threat quarterback, and they say he has legitimate aspirations of being a first-round pick. So, apparently, whatever they're running right now at Liberty, Cliff Kingsbury has been studying, and that's where – he ripped off the Chase Edmonds direct nice. snap, which he told us. And we said, well, you know, and Wolf said, now, Coach, a lot of guys in your profession wouldn't give credit on that. He said, oh, no, no, you always have to give credit to where you get your place because it's bad karma if you don't. I see. That's his belief. So there's the karma. Yeah. So there you go. The karma comes full circle, full circle on this one as well. So, uh, But if your head coach is watching Liberty Film, uh, once again, hashtag grinder. That's all I'm going to say about that. What, with an E. With an e, you're right. Uh, so, by the way, uh, as you go into this game, Darren Urban, as I look at our, our game plan for yes. today, okay, I'm looking here. This, are you hitting zoom out a little bit, a little bit between now and the bye week over Thanksgiving week as you got at the Niners, home against Carolina, then at Seattle? 
Well, clearly, Paul, I only take one game at a time, and uh, it's it's zero and one. I mean, one and zero every week. Some uh, guys take the season in quarters, right, DeAndre Hopkins or whoever said right. that. You know, so by you the know, way, I'm you're sending, allowed. Just a heads up to anybody listening: I'm sending out a tweet at halftime to mark the halfway point of the season. I see. Because we will be eight and a half, be, uh, eight and a half games down, eight so, and a half to go. So at halftime, are you going to name all your uh, team MVPs? That's right. I have to. I have to do it in a real quick yeah. tweet. Your halfway, halfway things could change. Yeah, halfway season awards. Yeah. Uh, that's a great, great point. I do think yep. I'm going to tweet that. So, Paul, I appreciate the heads up. Uh, <laughs> you're, right. you're a creative genius. Yeah, give all those um, out. You know, I, this is – here's why I think this is a super important time because now you're not sure of exactly what the quarterback situation is going to be. I think, you know, you're not – you're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for the 49ers. Yep. You, you don't know exactly what is going to happen with Kyler Murray over the next couple games. Sam Darnold's got a concussion right now. I'm assuming he would be back in a couple weeks, but we don't know. So you might be facing uh, AAF star PJ Walker, I believe is his name, uh, for the Walker. Panthers. And and Russell Wilson got pinned out of his hand. So is he the quarterback by the time that the Cardinals play the Seahawks? Or are we still going to get to see Geno Smith? So it's there's so much upheaval in terms of who the quarterbacks are going to be in this game. And believe it or not, Paul, I believe quarterback is where. The wins and losses start in this league, so we're gonna. I, I'll kind of want to see that. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that one. You know, uh, I'd like to see Rodney Hudson back. That would be good. That would, uh, based on what Kelvin Beecham be said, week, you know, yeah. the old head as he calls him, the old head. Uh, I, I, you know, ho- hopefully we can believe in the return of Rodney. Well, Hudson. as we record this right now, his practice window opens, so okay. all they got to do is elevate him. And my guess is. If he looks good in practice, which everybody's hoping, then, you know, you, you have till Saturday to bring him off the IR. You know who's graded out well is Sean Harlow. So here's my question. If Rodney Hudson is back yep. and Max Garcia is back, theoretically, what happens at right guard? Is Josh Jones on a tight leash? Is Josh Jones a guy who You're playing might, to the crowd now, aren't you, Paul? Max Garcia, Sean Harlow might be a candidate to replace yeah. Josh Jones at right guard if the play doesn't pick up there. That, that's my question. It, on the it'll be interesting. Right I, I thought it was, you know, I heard just uh, Steve Kime was asked about Josh Jones last week and last week, and he said that other than that early um, pressure, yeah. bad pressure that he gave up, he said he thought he played pretty well. I don't know. I mean, I know Sean Kugler likes Josh Jones. I know they want Josh Jones to succeed, but. You know, in a year like this, you've got to be smart about it. And if you feel like Josh Jones is, is not giving you the consistent play that you want, you do have other options there. And we're not even talking about Justin Murray yet. And, you know, he's not he's still on IR, but we'll see what happens with him too. I mean, what is the timeline on Justin Murray? Is there one? I, you're right. I, I mean, totally, I totally the, forgot about The window about has him. not opened yet, yeah. and it's a back injury, so we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think of him as a candidate, you know, to be back anytime soon. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but look – you're going to take on a Niners team. We've seen Jimmy G when he gets it in gear and he gets on a roll, and you saw it in 2019. He had two games against the Cardinals where he threw for more than 400 yards in each game, and I think he had seven touchdown passes between those two games. So now, was that a different defense for the Arizona Cardinals in 2019? Absolutely, especially the first half of the season. They were not good. They were not in sync. But based on what Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of doing, you know, you're seeing a guy who can definitely be a winning quarterback, despite the fact that Debo Samuel has 46% of the Niners receiving yards. And I'm like, wow. And and, and, and it, someone put out there, that's the highest rate of receiving yards by a single receiver on a single team since Roddy White 2008. How about that for a stat? But once again, if you can somehow – You would have thought DeAndre Hopkins might have been up there last yeah. year. You know, if you're right. And DeAndre Hopkins – had the highest percentage of receiving yards for any team in the NFL a year ago. I think it was 34%. That's I, not even close to 46, I no, can tell you that. No, not even close. And, and I'm not a math major. But I remember, hashtag no math, but I remember us talking about that in the offseason, the Cardinals need for more help in the receiver yeah. room because DeAndre Hopkins had the highest rate of receiving yards of any single receiver for any single team in the NFL. Well, yeah. that guy right now is Debo Samuel, and his yards after catch is Ridiculous. Well, it so, doesn't hurt when they throw it three yards behind the yeah, line of scrimmage and right. able to run for a touchdown. So, so the one thing that, yards. that is alarming coming off that Packers game, at least to me, was the caliber of tackling. It was the worst tackling we've yeah. seen all year. Now, how much of that had to do with 
as, as, as Zach Allen told us after the game, his former teammate of BC, A.J. Dillon, 250 pounds. You know, how's this taste when you're trying to tackle A.J. Dillon? Especially on a short week. Right. Every day's leg day with that guy. I mean, that guy's a tough tackle, but Aaron Jones was a tough tackle too. Yeah. And so he dictated his way and had his way with the Cardinals defense more than once. So I am curious to see what the tackling looks like against a hard-charging, hard-running Elijah Mitchell, who we've seen already. Playing great. He had a great yeah. game the other day. He did. So, you know. They're, they're, they got to control that. I do feel like they have to uh, be smart on the edges. That Mitchell did a lot of damage against the Bears on the edges, and they got to keep contain. I mean, they got gashed in the middle plenty, but uh, I think they got to be smart on their contain, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Here's what we do know. The last 10 meetings between the Cardinals and Niners have been decided by 10 points or less. It's seemingly always close. So we'll see what happens in Santa Clara. But if Colt McCoy is the guy, here's the other thing about this team this year. They have a personality where they feed off the challenge, whether it was going into Tennessee and no one gave them a chance, whether it was going against the Rams and that whole 0-8 against Sean McVay, whether it was going into Cleveland and the head coach was out because of COVID and everything else and they're losing guys on the day of the game and that whole challenge. This team does have that personality where they feed off that. They, they There's something about the doubters and the haters that brings out the best in this team. So we'll see. We'll see what the narrative is like, whether they have Kyler or not. But coming off that loss and the fact that there are a lot of doubters and a lot of people wondering about where the second half of this season is going to go because everyone saw how the second half of last season went. Fair. And Second half doesn't start until the third quarter, though. <laughs> That's right, Darren. Just remember that That's part. That's right. So, okay, we'll leave it right there, Darren. So, uh, the second half of the season, everyone can restart their clocks <laughs> when Darren sends out his midseason awards <laughs> at halftime. At halftime of the 49ers game. In the press box I, at Levi Stadium. I think it was funny that you just said reset your clocks because don't forget, everybody else has to reset their clocks Is on that this weekend? Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, no, and we're on the road, so we do have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, we do have to worry about that. But oh, it buys boy. us an extra hour, right? Who's Isn't the guy who's going to screw that or up? Or do we lose that? Fall back. So we fall back. So, okay. It's not the spring ahead. If it was spring ahead, somebody would screw that up on the road. Yeah, I can't even remember. Well, I know. Was, we, you know what? We do lose it. We're going to lose an hour coming back. Like, we would have been home an hour earlier on Sunday night, but now we're going to lose that hour. That's true. You're right. You're right, because now we're going to be an hour ahead of the and, Pacific Coast. Yeah. Up. Yep. Okay. I hate that. All right. There you go. Well, Darren, you know, it's uh, it's good. A little public service announcement. I'm here for all the people that don't yeah. live in Arizona that don't have right. to do their clocks. Can we work that out, by right. the way? Can we just get this whole this whole daylight savings thing just booted? Oh. I mean, do we really need that anymore? I mean, for the Red Sea that's going to travel to Santa Clara, and we have seen the Red Sea on the road every single road game. That's There's, true. You know, the Bird Gang has been out there, and I have the video clips to prove it, them chanting MVP as Kyler has left the field. Maybe we'll have to send a few of those out again. Uh, so for the Red Sea... Remember, you have to worry about your clocks overnight Saturday going into game day. Once again, a full-service podcast here. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals.